Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling, but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Chocula, from Mickey Mouse to CM Punk. Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna as we welcome you to the IndieCast. All nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNR. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I am one half of your hosting team, Zach Romero. Joining me here always is Chad. Chad, how are you? The, the other half of the hosting team. Hey, bud, right. how are you doing? So. Doing just fine, doing just fine. Uh, so we have an After Dark episode here. We've got no guests this week. However, we are trying to put some things together in the background. We'll see how those uh, come to fruition. Yeah. But uh, as is... Many an After Dark episode, I want to start things off with a brief derailment. Now, I do have a couple of wrestling topics I do want to talk about on this episode, Shock of All Shocks. I've, but yeah, before I've that, then, <laughs> I learned something new about a franchise that I was pretty sure I had basically figured out. Okay. So, I just found out. So, obviously, to anyone who may know, I am a pretty big uh, horror movie fan. And I have seen you are my goat. You are my go-to when it's a horror movie type question. I usually direct people to you as needed. So horror movie or fucking terrible uh, movie. Yeah. But uh, but in any case, um, so I've seen all the you know slasher films, all the classic you know ones from the eighties and all that good stuff. And so I'm very familiar with the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, and thought I knew basically everything there was to know about that series of of slashers but i found out this past week that robert england was not the first choice for freddy krueger really i found out that the first choice for freddy krueger was david warner Warner. Why does that name sound familiar? And I am not... He's the bad guy from Tron. He's the scientist in TMNT. He's, oh, uh, yeah. He's uh, the lobe from Freakazoid. He's um, the voice of Ra's al Ghul from Batman the Animated Series. Like, kind of a serious business sort of character actor. Right. And not only was he first pick, they already had makeup tests and everything. Like, there's actual, wow. like, evidence of him, like, makeuped up and all that. Uh, and then, like, he had some kind of, like, last-minute scheduling issue and uh, had to drop out. And then they just gave it to, to Robert England as, like, you know, second place. And then Robert England, like, I can't even imagine David Warner as Freddy, first of all. Second of all, I think a lot of the accolades and uh greatness of the nightmare on elm street series can be rested on the shoulders of robert england's performances yeah absolutely uh, so i don't even know if it is david warner does it even become a franchise at that point or is does it stay as like a a, a one-off you know that kind of thing um I I just, that just blew my mind that would be interesting to know like where where would it go from there so i am looking actually right now at uh david warner's like movie history he's been indefinitely in some very very interesting movies to say the least uh everything from like titanic to 
Um, Titanic. Oh, yep. He had a couple of, uh, obviously you had mentioned like Tron and the like already, but he had, I'm trying to find it again. He had a couple of like really weird, like comedies and stuff like that, that you're like, how did you end up? Like, uh, he's in time. Ba- he's the bad, bad guy in time bandits, which he's great a, in time bandits. That movie that can we talk about movies? Like I feel sure. like that should almost go into that. Fuck you. It's a good movie type of scenario. People, I don't think Time Bandits gets nearly the credit that it uh, that it should. That is a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, uh, one I, of the funniest scenes I think that John Cleese has ever been in is in Time Bandits. Oh, absolutely. So, oh yeah, no. Here's some of the weird ones right now. He was in In the Mouth of Madness. Yes, he was in the movie Ice Cream Man. Well, I mean, like, but then like right after that. Pooh's Grand Adventure, the search for Chris, the search for Christopher Robin. Well, oh, I think his last like big title he was in was uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Yes, because he, he played was the, indeed the sea captain. Yep, in uh, 2018, is he still alive? Is he dead? No, David Warner died. I think either this year or last year. Last year, 24th of July, 2022. Very interesting. Yes. Okay. That would have been um, inter- I would have been interested to see how he would have done Freddy, though. That's a uh... don't get me wrong. Love David Warner as an actor, but right. Robert England brought so much to that character and really made it a thing. Absolutely. That I just can't even imagine, you know, what that would have been like, like played by that, somebody other than Robert England in that day. Yeah. I don't think David Warner would have like chewed the proverbial scenery like Robert England did. Agreed. Totally agree. I, so, interesting. Um, so yeah, just uh, just a weird little tidbit that I had no idea was a thing. Um, but in any case, so that was my uh, that was my derailment here. Um, but uh, let's talk about wrestling for just two seconds. So, okay. hey, so Kenny Omega fought a guy. Yes. Uh, did you watch the match between um, between Kenny and what? Well, I don't have his name right. I know I don't. Uh, it is uh, El El Io del Vikingo. Vikingo. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I wasn't totally sure how to pronounce the damn thing myself until I heard um, uh, uh, um. The, I'm, why can't I think of the mastering announcer from fucking uh, AEW right now? Um, uh, it'll hit me in a minute. But um, Lillian Garcia, yes, um, absolutely, Lillian Garcia, you got it. Um, but no, uh, I, I did indeed watch the uh, watch the match. Excalibur, by the way, really mad at myself. I couldn't think of Excalibur's name. Uh, but I I did purposely like How tell the Finkel. tell the girls, you know, hey. Daddy's going upstairs to watch wrestling because I got to see this one. I want to see this one match and uh, made it up just in time to catch it. And uh, I've seen clips of El Hio before, before uh, but it's always like the, like the quick, you know, the quick clips. It's like, you know, right. he does a big, you know, and, and ultimately that's what I'm seeing now coming out of this match here is I'm getting to see a lot of like, Clips, but the match itself was quite enjoyable. Uh, I really liked it, uh, but also, you know, in, in typical wrestling fan fashion, I'm seeing a, a bunch of people that are shitting all over it too, because it's like, 
why didn't they tell us more about El Hio before the match happened? Uh, you know, oh, it was just a spot fest. It was, you know, a bunch of flippy shit. It was a bunch of, it's like, it was a bunch of people that are like, stop having a good time. How dare you? So. Well, so a couple of things. So um, I I did see, I believe it was Speedy who put on his uh, social media a post from some fan that was like completely unhinged about how disrespectful it was that Kenny got the win over somebody who's a world champion in AAA. That like the disrespect that Kenny has for the business, that he wasn't willing to do the job for this kid and like truly give him the rub and, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just thought that was very interesting. So a question I want to ask you as somebody who has seen it all in terms of wrestling Mm-hmm. If you, you know, debut for a company, are in the main event, get all your shit in, but still lose, is that not getting, did you, are you disqualified from getting the rub at that point? No, because I, like, El Hio had never been on, as far as I'm aware, had never been on AEW TV previous to that. Correct, moment. correct. And is, like you said, directly put in the main, direct, you know, got all the shit in, hit a bunch of big moves, looked like a world beater, ended up losing to a move that legitimately only one other person has ever kicked out of in the one-winged angel. Like, what? If And that, like, I guess the biggest thing is, and that kind of falls into the play of the people that are bitching about, like, well, why didn't they tell us more about him? Because this was just supposed to be like a a dream match type of situation. This wasn't, you know, there's probably not going to be a lot of further history with Elio in AEW because he's got his, you know, all his bookings in Mexico. Is he showing up in the U.S. more often? Absolutely. He did GCW show. He did AEW. I'm sure he'll show up in Japan at some point if he hasn't already. He's really starting to branch himself out there. But there's nothing saying that they're going to look into making him like the next big star right now. This was just basically, like they said, it was a dream match. So why can't that be a one-off, him still lose, but still look like a world beater doing it? It's just, it makes no sense to me otherwise. So Yeah, and like, what would have been the other option? Like, he comes into town, he comes to AEW, he beats Kenny, who was like their right. champion for the long time, and da 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 like arguably one of the faces of AEW. Right. He comes in, beats him, doesn't get signed to AEW, essentially fucks back off to the indies. Right. How, fucks back what, off to AAA. And... Yeah. <laughs> who does that benefit in terms of AEW? Like, as a company, right. how would that benefit them? It doesn't, and you know that, and I know that, but. Well, it was one of those cases, and please do not think that I'm like, <laughs> I'm the fucking smarty booker man, because that's not the case. But it right. is one of those cases, it was one of those situations where I looked at it and I was like, oh, you know, like, this is the real part of booking. Like, the fun part of booking is the armchair, like, oh, what if we had this and this? What if right. it was John Davis versus the fucking entire moon and then he fucking Siberian bear crushed the moon? Like, 
that's the fun part. But the the, right. the actual business part is okay. Well, what is the positives and negatives of booking this match? Is this right. going to get us eyes? Is this going to get us social media buzz? Uh, is it going to make our champion or our homegrown talent or whatever you want to call them look good? Right. Is it going to make the company look good? Um, and so those are all questions you'd have to ask. So yeah, it's like, you know, if we were booking, you know, punk pro and, you know, we bring in Eddie Kingston to fight John Davis. Well, if Eddie Kingston beats our champion and Eddie Kingston ain't coming back to, to punk pro, right. What's the point? Right. But if John Davis beats Eddie Kingston, holy shit. How great is John Davis? Right. Who's going to be here at the next show and the show after and the show after. Right. So I don't know. It was just a very silly take of just like, huh? Like, yeah. Why would like, if you wanted to be very generous, you could have been like, it ends in a draw. Like, okay, that's fine, I guess. But the amount of shit that he got in, I think made the need for a win unnecessary. And quite honestly, if that match went to a draw, you'd get people that would bitch about that, too. Well, you couldn't have a clear winner in this one, so. Very true. But I just thought that was a very interesting take of like, oh, I can't believe he's one not willing to do business. I'm like, he let him get everything he wanted in and then some. Like, yeah, you know, he didn't get out of the way for the 630 through the table. He kept his ass right where it was. So he could eat all of it in that table. Right. Like I'd I'd say he did business okay. Yeah. Fucking took a avalanche I was an avalanche rana. I can't remember if it was an avalanche rana or an avalanche poison rana where he ended up coming backwards. And basically uh Omega landed on his top of his fucking head. Yeah. Like he spiked himself to make sure that his opponent looked good. Like so like I said, that the match and all the questions you asked were absolutely the questions I'm sure they get asked backstage, you know, as we're booking this. But you know, does he get his eyes? Yes, it does. Does he get his social media? Absolutely. My I my every feels like every fourth TikTok I swipe now is another clip from that match. Like it's just it did everything it was supposed to. It hit all the beats it was supposed to. It set up a uh an angle that is setting up a very interesting scenario with the Blackpool combat club versus basically like fucking everybody. They're just beating everybody up right now, but obviously they're really centered in on the elite. So why not get a big audience? that's going to see your big main event. you know, the thing that's going to lead you to your next couple main events and really get it there when the most people are going to see it. Well, and the other thing too, as we learned uh, from the Dudley Boys and ECW, if you get your shit in well enough, the wins and losses don't matter. Right. What matters is that you're memorable. Right. And I think that is 100% the case for Vikingo. Like, he did some amazing shit. People lost their minds. And guess what? His rate's about to go up. Like, right. that's what that is. So I think, I, think, I think he got something out of it, too. I don't think this was a one-sided affair. No, not at all. And I'll be honest, I, I would like to question truly, if you really stop and think as it pertains to wrestling, and I have an example for this, 
how little ultimately wins and losses really mean in professional wrestling because, uh, and the best example I can give right now for that is Zack Ryder spent his entire WWE career, like he'd get a win every once in a while, but he was over as hell, but would lose constantly, left WWE and is now the biggest name on the independent team. As under his real name of Matt Cardona. And people care about him. And it's because of how he carries himself and how he handles his business. It, nobody necessarily looks back and goes, well, he never won in WWE that I that at least I'm hearing. They're just talking about the stuff that he's doing on the independency. So one loss for him against a, a major talent like fucking Kenny Omega is not hurting anything. So, So let's expound on that a little bit. Um, as two guys who have never actually gone to wrestling school, um, but have both been in wrestling rings before. So let's fucking. So do you think that philosophy of wins and losses don't really matter? Do you think that trickles all the way down to like the small, like the minor league, uh, local independent scene as well? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it shouldn't. I mean, I guess, I guess uh, when you're saying a smaller independent scene, we're, de- we're definitely like leaving out. We're, we're going talking below like GCW and stuff like that, right? I'm talking about if you're a wrestler at Pride of Wrestling who we've put over previously and you lose yeah. your match. And it's not part of like a losing streak or like a story. It just so happens that your number didn't get called up that show. Is that something you should be concerned with? Is that something that should bother you? Is that something you should worry about? Or is it just part of the business and, you know, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be putting stock in it? It's just part of, I think it's just part of the business. I mean, and let's be honest, independent wrestling, especially on, the level of like a POW or something like that is to a point where, yes, you're going to have regulars that are going to be there fairly normally. But I think a lot of your audience is going to be, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a new crowd. It's going to be those people that maybe saw a poster. It's like, Oh, I remember watching wrestling when like Steve Austin was around. We should go to this. Like Mm -hmm. I, I think your your turnover for for who your audience is on a month to month basis or on a show to show basis is is definitely like turned enough that you probably will have a bunch of people that weren't even there the last month to see you lose. So no, it wouldn't make a difference to how you present yourself when you walk out for that match. I could not agree with you more. Um, in fact. You know, even taking your point about Zack Ryder's legacy aside here, unless you have the TV deal and you're on TV every week, I would say it shouldn't really ever matter. And if it, you know, and if it matters to you, if you're on TV every week and you're like, I lose a lot, then it's like, okay, I get it. But ultimately, who fucking cares? Right. But I think on any kind of independent level, it absolutely doesn't matter. How many fucking times did we have, did we see Effie lose? Who fucking oh, cares? Like, you know, Effie would come in and, in his own words, 
make the champion interesting for once, do the right. job, get his money, and go home. Right. And, if, and let, if, I don't know if this is because I'm an old-ass man now. I'm, I'm fucking nearly 40. But if I were a, if I woke up tomorrow and I was a wrestler, I would, honest to God, just be like Mikey Whipwreck. I'd be like, I'm never fucking winning. I don't give a shit. I'm going to be over as hell, and I'm going to sell a million fucking t-shirts. Right. And I don't give a shit if I ever win. Because, you know, your ability to be over should not be entirely dependent on wins and losses. Right. Because if it is, then you're stuck in your Goldberg. And then it's like, well, right. if I'm not squashing dudes, uh, I don't really know what to do with my hands. So, right. And quite honestly, I feel like having something like that Goldberg streak thing makes it makes it even worse in that long run of things. Because, okay, so you're great during the streak. What happens when you lose? Right. Like, okay, nobody's really looking to see, oh, how far along is he going to go? It's like, oh, you lost? Okay, well, that's the only person that, well, and I guess he's a fucking Hall of Famer and stuff. So I guess people still did care a little bit. I never figured out why. I never, I didn't like Goldberg from the beginning, but that's just me. What a hipster. Um, um, yeah. Well, no, much. actually, the, the one thing that I would say is, and this will actually lead us to another point here, is the believability, the yes. suspension of disbelief. Logically, now this, I don't want to be like calling attention or anything like that, but logically, if Goldberg ran through you know 180 guys or however long the fucking streak was loses once due to shenanigans right which is how he ended up losing shouldn't he have been able to just pick right back up you would think like if he was that good which is what the streak was suggesting Shouldn't have he basically just gone right back into another streak? Right. Instead, he just kind of became like a normal wrestler with a normal wrestler's win-loss record, which is fine. Right. But if he was just this unbelievable powerhouse, did losing the streak like break his confidence as a character? And that's why he just became a normal wrestler after that? Like, Right. But they never played that up. So Right. He was but, still the unbeatable monster Goldberg, like that. Except when he would get beaten sometimes. Right. Um, so, no, I agree. I don't think wins and losses fucking matter at all, unless it's part of some kind of story. And typically those kinds of stories suck. Right. Um, and just get over. That's basically what I'm saying. But along the same lines of, hey, you know, this is calling into question certain believable elements. Um, Eddie Torres, a friend of the show, had recently put up uh, a post about the art of selling in wrestling, of selling moves. And he actually showed a clip from quickly becoming favorite company of the show, uh, CCW uh, in uh, Old Town. And he was wrestling this big dude. And at one point, this dude caught Eddie in midair, which is not an easy feat, and hit him with the fallaway slam. And he threw him with such force 
that not only did Eddie hit the canvas, but did a full extra rotation afterwards. Sure. And I don't know if somebody, and I'm not telling tales out of class, I don't know if somebody told him it was overselling and that's what kind of got this ball rolling. But Eddie was sort of explaining the logic behind it and, and why he sold the way he did. And and, and I agreed with him um, in terms of like a viewer or a uh, commentator. As soon as that happened, I was like, holy shit, this guy's strong as hell. Right. Because he was able to throw Eddie and then some. Now, right. I did say, had Eddie done a, an additional rotation, if he had done two rotations, then it would have looked cartoony and he would have been basically tangled up in the turnbuckle at that point. Right. Um, which he agreed with as well. He was like, yeah, that would have been too much. But the idea of just selling in general, and so why, how this all connects to calling things into question, in my opinion, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, both Chad, my co-host, and anyone listening, um, for me, the absolute maximum amount of time for believability of no-selling offense, especially if it's like a back-and-forth situation, is about two minutes. So I'm talking, we're no selling chops, we're no selling strikes, we're no selling right. suplexes, whatever the case is. I'd say you have about a two minute window of that where it's impressive and oh my God, and it's part of the story. After you go beyond two minutes, I feel like it starts to call into question the legitimacy of the moves. Because if you're going three, four, five minutes of no selling, then I'm going to start going, well, wait a minute. Are they even really hitting each other? Like, is this all just pretend? So let me ask you this. For that three to five minutes, are you calling that consecutive or are you calling that? I'm calling that, that from, consecutive. Sorry, I'm saying okay. consecutive. Okay. I'm saying you've got a two-minute window of consecutive no selling before I go, okay, this is this is weird. The reason I ask is, is because I am immediately picturing like half the like five star matches that come out of like New Japan in my true, brain. true. Where... And for me, that does call into question. I'll stand by my statement when it comes to New Japan. I think the complete lack of selling when it's overdone, I think, cheapens the whole thing. The fighting, the fighting, you're not big on the fighting spirit aspect of uh, I'm big on the fighting spirit Japan. if it if it results in you get your shit kicked in. Right. Like for instance, like Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega, they'll be doing flippy dippertons and doing all kinds of cool shit. And you know, Kenny'll do a hit Osprey with a hurricane run on Osprey lands on his feet, and it's like, holy shit, and he's kind of like, yeah. And then Kenny will come and like, you know, hit him with a cinder block or something like that. And then Osprey's right. dead. So right. that I'm okay with because that's still telling a story. The story okay. is in that example, Osprey's hubris is his undoing because had he just eaten the Rana and taken a breather, he could have right. theoretically gotten up and, and hit some kind of move on Kenny. But because right. he was egotistical and decided he was going to power through the pain. Right. It left him open for more damage to come his way. Right. So he that's like the story. For like, for like a V trigger or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Okay. Or a fucking German suplex or whatever. 
Right. So in the storytelling in my brain, that still makes sense. Those little okay. glimpses of no selling make sense to me. But if it's like, you know, uh, somebody who usually sidestepped that pretty well was John Davis. John would get into like a chop off of somebody. Well, John, like you could hit him in the chest with a fucking fire axe. And I don't think right. he'd flinch. Right. So when he's getting into a chop off of somebody, usually there's a little element of no selling until his opponent's uh, chest caves in. Right. And then they can't help but sell. Those little glimpses of that toughness is fine. Like I imagine, or for example, um, uh, Vader and Ric Flair in Starcade. Yes. For the first half of that match, Vader is shrugging off a ton of offense. Right. But that is also telling the story. The story is Vader is is a fucking beast. And right. then eventually Flair gets through and then Vader is absolutely selling. So there was a story there. It wasn't just right. Flair and Vader both decide fuck selling. Right. And that's it for the match. There was a story being told there. So in those examples, I think those are all fine. But it's the oh, we're both strong style, quote unquote. And so neither one of us are going to sell anything. And we're right. just going to keep hitting each other and roll into the next thing and roll into the next thing and roll into the next thing. That eventually, there's no more drama here. Right. It's just a list of things that you're doing. Right. You, you, you're, you're not necessarily having a wrestling match now. This has become more of like a, it's like a dance-off. It's a dance competition now. It's, you know, it's a lot of really cool... And it's usually really cool movement. Don't get me wrong. It's usually like, a you know, it seems to be you either get these guys that are super powerful and it's just like maxed out fighters on like Street Fighter or you've right. got two high flyers and it's a, it's a gymnastics competition. Right. Uh, so. And so for me, like I said, it's, it's a matter of... You know, it, it, Dance off is a great way to put it. I was also going to say the other uh, thing that I think of is when you're just doing move after move after move back and forth and there's no selling, it stops being a wrestling match and it starts being a spot checklist. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, we did the superplex and we both got up. No problem. We exchange strikes. Neither of us sell. We go into a back and forth thing, duck the clothesline, this and that. It's like, it just becomes a checklist. It stops right. being a story. It stops being a fight. It's just a checklist of, all right, did you get all your shit in? Did I get all my shit in? Okay, great. We did a good job. Now we can go to the thing. Trademark, copyright, whatever. <coughs> um, Flat the leg. <laughs> right. So that's that's just something I was thinking about in terms of what Eddie Torres said. If you if you follow him on social media, he had made a couple of different posts about it, including like sort of a little miniature TED talk about it. And I thought he made a lot of great points um, about selling and how important that is to telling a story and, you know, not getting caught up in the like, oh, God, what's my next spot? What's my next move? But really right. the like really being in the moment and selling like this is genuinely happening. And, and how do I recover like that right. sort of idea? And I was very impressed. Or you'll get a lot of people that are just like not selling because they don't want to, quote, look weak. Well, if if all you do is look you know, try to look strong. You know, how do you, it's like, I feel like you need to look weak sometime just so that when you are 
the strong side of things that makes all the more difference to it. Well, think yeah. about every fucking superhero movie that comes out. Right. Fucking Captain America is not just no selling offense and just beating right. everybody's ass for 90 minutes. You know, there's usually some moments of like, oh no, he's in trouble. Like, because right. that's where drama is built. Right. Yeah. Some people seem to fucking forget that though. So. Well, and again, I chalk it up. If it's younger wrestlers, I chalk it up to they're just worried about remembering the next thing and all that shit. And they right. don't take the time to go, oh, wait, we're supposed to tell them a story. Um, you know, for older wrestlers, I don't fucking have an excuse for you. Like, you should fucking know this by now. You should know better. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's my last note on uh, wrestling. Is there anything else wrestling okay. related that you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I have nothing wrestling exciting right now, sadly. I feel like we should, but, uh... Uh, we were a wrestling show at one point. Uh, that was a long yeah. time ago. Um, yeah. so the other thing I wanted to bring up in the, like, I don't like fun corner is speculation. Okay. And specifically when speculation is referred to as reporting. Okay. So we're starting to get excited for Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios in Orlando. Are we really this far today? Out? Today they announced uh, the dates that the event will run, which is basically like okay. the first of September all the way till October thirty first. Of course. And they revealed the general merchandise for the event this year meaning okay. nothing house specific just sort of general halloween horror nights merch for the is year this usually when they announce like who the ho quote-unquote host is because don't they usually have like one of their host characters be kind of the the main face of it the main gimmick that of it? was the case for many years the okay. most recent couple of years it's been basically whatever the biggest ip is whatever okay. the biggest intellectual property they get their hands on sort of becomes the theme for the year so last year they had the weekend the right the, the the musician the weekend had a house so that was sort of the gimmick the year before that it was like stranger things was the big gimmick so they've kind of been doing that as of late for this okay. one it might be more of a general sort of like we made this up sort of thing it still remains to be seen however what has been happening is there's been several, several drops of what they call spec maps. Okay. And a spec map is a breakdown of what is allegedly rumored houses that will be happening at that year's event. And I started to see them this year and I grew very, very annoyed. And as I continued looking at them, I continued to get annoyed. And then there were some little additional variations on them that infuriated me. And so the little additions that infuriated me was one particular group, podcast, whatever, community, had not only posted a spec map, but also we're doing some kind of like puzzles or something like that on their private discord. Okay. 
as clues for other rumored houses. Okay. Okay. Like that's kind of a fun thing. So the first puzzle, the first escape room puzzle online is figured out. And it's Pennywise, the clown from Stephen King's It. Okay. And so somebody posts, oh my God, we just figured out the first puzzle. It's Pennywise. Holy shit. This is amazing. A bunch of people in that community lose their minds. Oh my God. How is this even possible? Because Warner Brother technically owns that property and has already done some scare event things in California with that property. How did they get the rights to do this? This is unbelievable. Holy shit, I'm so excited. The fucking, you know, Pennywise is going to jump out of the sewer and grab me by the asshole. I can't wait. Blah, blah, blah. Great. The show, community, whatever, that posted this then comes out and walks it back and goes, well, this wasn't really like a rumor. This is just sort of like, wouldn't this be great? Okay. And that super irritated the shit out of me. Because don't make me jump through fucking hoops and solve the fucking Shrine of the Silver Monkey and give me a prize of, oh, this would be pretty fucking cool, right? Like, this would be pretty cool. Like, Fuck you. I'm not saying you have to have something 100% confirmed, but to just the reward is, I was I was just thinking how cool would it be? How right. cool would it be if if fucking if it was like an Evil Dead house, and then at the end before you left, like what if Bruce Campbell was there and like high fived you? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Right. What the fuck? And so in getting grumpy about these sort of things it led me to realize that i am equally and here's watch me stick the landing on this i am okay. equally irritated with speculation cards for wrestlemania each year okay and, and if you're not aware very similar concept where as soon as like the rumble kind of kicks off or even before then people start presenting like photoshopped announcements of oh wouldn't this be great on wrestlemania and it annoys me because it's always the dumbest shit and that's the thing about both of these whether it's the spec map or the spec card it is always the dumbest shit that it's like what would make you think for a second that that would even be in the cards right. so for like Haunted houses for Halloween Horror Nights, there's always one that's like some ridiculous, like it would be like, oh, oh, fucking, what if like Luigi's Mansion? Like, what if that was one? Right. Where in the fuck would you even get that from? Well, they're making Nintendo. Yeah, and what the fuck are you talking about? That's such a huge departure from every other thing that Halloween Horror Nights has ever done. They don't do video game houses. That's not a thing. So, like, what the Actually, fuck are you talking about? I'm going to slightly back that up. Didn't they do a Resident Evil house at one point in time? They did, at least in Japan. Okay. I don't think they ever did here in the States. I might be wrong. Okay. But Resident Evil also had movies. True. 
So even you could get away with Silent Hill if you were going to be like, well, they do Silent Hill. Well, there was a Silent Hill movie, so you could technically say that's justified. But point being, it's the same thing with the WrestleMania one, where it's like, what if for, like, the world title, what if it was, like, a 16-man triple cage extravaganza where, like, it's, like, Kevin Owens and it's Cody Rhodes and, like, Kenny Omega shows up for a night. It's always some fucking bombastic, like, ridiculous shit that's, like, why would you have... They literally cut people from the roster before Mania because they don't want to pay that many people. Like, there's literally cuts in the roster beforehand. What makes you think they're going to be like, let's blow the budget? Let's have every match be a 50-person fucking multi-man. No! You'll have, like, maybe a couple sprinkled here and there because they're like, well, you know, we didn't really come up with anything great for this. But, like, you can't have every match on the card be like four people plus. That's just right. going to be ridiculous. Also, and I'm, am I wrong? Very rarely does WrestleMania end with a multi-man. Normally, it's like a one-on-one, maybe a triple threat. Uh, I want to say one of the first triple threats to actually main event and end a mania was the one with... Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, and Becky Lynch. What's the one? I, what's the one with um, Benoit in it? That was Benoit. Um, it's Benoit, Triple H, and Triple somebody H else. and Sean. I think it was. I think it was I Benoit, think right. Triple H, and Sean. So yeah. Um, which I don't even know if that one fucking ended the night. But my point is, like, you know, sometimes you'll get the triple threats. Obviously, tag teams. Maybe you'll get like the gimmick rumble or something like that. But like, by and large, it's just singles matches and right. you know important ones, hopefully. But every fucking year, there's always like this: like, what if there was like a tag team four way dance of death, and fucking mankind and Al Snow or one of the teams. It's always something off the wall. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then the same thing with the Haunted Houses thing. It'll be like, well, what if it was like The Last of Us? You're like, okay, that's a big enough deal. I suppose that could be a thing. And it's like, what if it was like uh, Chucky from the Sci-Fi Channel? It's like, all right, well, that's a thing. And they had a Chucky section as a kind of sort of a photo op last year. So I suppose that's a thing. And then what if there was, like, a Critters 3 house? Okay, now why the fuck would they put that? Like, that's what I'm talking about. It's that, like, completely... Now, again, if it was just pie in the sky, like, this would be... If I I ran the zoo, it would be this. Then I'm like, sure, whatever. A Night of the Creeps house would fuck. Okay, great. But to give it as, like, oh, this is a speculation house based off rumors that we're hearing, and this is where, you know, this very well could be a thing. Go fuck yourself. It's the speculation being reported as potential news that irks me. And I know I'm a crabby old man, but I just, that irritates the shit out of me. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's just I don't like fun. I don't know. Do I sound like an idiot? Is this something that you're saying like, Jesus Christ, have some fun, lighten up? I don't know. You tell me. Um, I, I mean, I can understand why it bothers you, but I, like, I, I guess it's dependent on how it's, presented is you're absolutely right the packaging makes a difference in this scenario if it's just a bunch of like at least and i'll speak more on the wrestling side because i'm not i'm not on the spec map side of the internet uh like you are for this but on the wrestling side of things you get people that book 
you know, will fantasy book dumb shit constantly. Right. And it's just like, okay, well, if you want to see that, cool. That's what they make WWE 2K, you know, 2K23. True. That's a good go, point. Go book it on your on your computer or on your, you know, your console. And you can have all the fucking crazy matches you want for your WrestleMania on there. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the part that it gets annoying is, is when it's like somebody like Meltzer, uh, who I know gets shit on constantly, but you know, fill in fucking supposed wrestling journalist here when they're reporting these kind of dream matchy things as, you know, Hey, this looks like this could happen. This could be fact when you could take one look at it and go. No, that's probably bullshit. You're right. That that has absolutely every right to get the the vitriol, the vitriol and anger. Um, but you know, some local yokel booking his fantasy mania doesn't hurt my feelings. I guess same with the spec map. You're right. Like if somebody's like, "Oh, wouldn't this be cool?" That's great. But yeah, if they if they do make you jump through flaming hoops to get to the, "Hey, wouldn't this be cool?" No, like, hey, wouldn't an it house be really cool? Yes, it would. Do I need a puzzle to figure that out? No, you you can just tell me that. So yeah, like if you just wanted to present it, like let's say for example, for here at the IndieCast, let's say you know closer to October, we do like basically a a baby audio uh, PowerPoint presentation on like here's some properties that I think could work as haunted houses and right. like. You give some description, you maybe describe like, oh, and a scare could look like this or whatever. There could be an area like this. That's one thing. That's fine. That's fun. We can totally do that. We can all right. pretend and, and dream book. That's fine. Like I said, a, a Night of the Creeps house, that would be awesome. You could start on the campus and go to the lab and all that other shit. You have Tom Atkins jump out and say, throw me. Like, that sounds awesome. Right. Um, or a reanimator house. Totally rad. But to do the Meltzer thing like well I actually have it on great authority that uh Cody Rhodes is actually gonna be not only beating Roman Reigns but the ghost of Dusty Rhodes is gonna show up at the end and give him a big hug. Right. Like that's not reported. That's just you making shit up or some other asshat told you it and you went, this sounds pretty cool and you just reported. So okay. you know that's that's what I think is kind of like drawing the line. If we're just playing it as like Oh, this is fun. Like this is like a fun exercise. Like sure, but when it's oh well, this is the current rumors. Is this right. is gonna be fucking fucking the Megan Android girl doll movie? And at the end, she pegs you. Like what? Like no, stop that. That's not a rumor. Well, it's just people. No, hold are, it. Let's talk. Dreaming. Let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> How much pegging are we talking about here? Um, no, and, and again, with that sort of thing, that's a, uh, with that example in particular with like the Megan movie, yeah, it did super well in theaters. It was released by Blumhouse for the last, like, I don't know, five years in Halloween Horror Nights, there's been a Blumhouse sponsored house. Right. Like last year, they split it down the middle and it was half the black phone, half freaky with Vince Vaughn. So it's like, you know, shit, like, that's a great option because Blumhouse already does a thing with them, and that movie made a lot of money. So, right. yeah, no, that's a pretty safe bet. 
that's like being like, hey, I don't want to fucking ruffle any feathers. But I think Roman Reigns might be at WrestleMania this year. Well, he is the fucking champion of champions, so right. that's probably a pretty safe bet. By the way, you mentioned Dusty coming down like for Cody's match, and it hit me. WWE would be the type of place that would come up with like a, a Dusty hologram. And oh, absolutely. It. If you don't think they're already throwing money at that for fucking WWE access, you get your high. Like they are absolutely working on some kind of hologram technology. Right. To have, you know, hologram Andre the Giant walk over and fart on your leg like you're Jake the Snake that, Roberts. Like that would a hundred percent be who they would pick too. They would they if they could make a hologram Andre that looked legit and was just like lumbering around a, uh like an access or something like that, they would they would do that in a in a New York minute. You you wouldn't they wouldn't be able to throw the money at it fast enough to make it happen. You know what would actually get me to go? Have you ever seen the the Raptor photo op at Universal now? Oh, I've got uh, oh now? No, I I have I mean I've gotten my picture with the Raptor previously, so did they change the way they do it? Well, did, are you talking about the one where it's like in the enclosure and it scares yeah. the shit I do? Yes. If they did, so anybody doesn't know, they figured out a way. I I don't know if it's a guy in a suit. I don't know. It's got to be a guy in a suit. I don't know. But there's a fucking photo op now at like Universal where they like trot out a fucking life size raptor, and it like is behind this little like half enclosure, so you see it from the waist up, and like there's a trainer there like trying to keep it chill, and then like they call you over and you come and you stand with the raptor and take a photo, and it's like you know it's like you're taking a picture with a lion at the zoo, and like right. the raptor will like snap at you and you go Jesus Christ and all that good shit. If they had that at Access. But it was the gobbledygooker. I'm there. Amazing. <laughs> I That's called good improv. It. Just he yes anded me and then contributed nothing else. That is the <laughs> that is the perfect answer. No, but it's like, and like I'm picturing like, but so I'm picturing like, is it the fun gobbledygooker or is it like, is it snapping at you like the raptor? That's now well, that's it's where still I'm snapping at you, the raptor, but it's still googly eyed and dumb looking. Right. So it's still like doing all the raptor shit but it's the big dumbass gobbledygooker how has there never been a gobbledygooker horror movie well there was uh thanks killing it had a, a killer turkey in it that talked like but it was like it was it like an actual turkey or was it like a guy in a googly-eyed suit because that's well, it was really a, it, was, it was a turkey puppet that said gobble gobble motherfucker so nice and it was a pretty gross looking puppet so but see, yeah, I need I need one with like the legitimate gobbledygooker. I need I need those. You need it to hatch out of an egg at the very beginning. You need yes. it to fucking dance with Mean Gene. And, and do then kills like the hologram of Mean Gene that they have to. Uh... <laughs> I, if I could remember oh. for the life of me what Roddy Piper says on commentary when the gobbledygooker comes out because he has to sell it. I can't right. remember what he says. I don't remember either. I have to look it up. But... Oh, it's but something you know, sad. You, you did make me think of a brief other. Uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. Another wrestling topic uh, for this for this episode here. Uh, did you see who got announced for the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame this year? I did, and you made the exact same comment that I would have made. Right. That the so, ultimate swerve of all swerves. That the person who you know accepts the war, the award and the accolade for Andy Kaufman going in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Should be Andy Kaufman. He should right. just show up like nothing, 
change or nothing happened, just be like, oh, thanks, everybody. Like his death forever ago, and so. And only to break kayfabe to accept an award for wrestling. Right. Um, but no, I love that. I think Andy Coffin was a genius. Um, I think he his stand-up is so funny. Um, I think his whole wrestling thing with Lawler was amazing. Um, working, you know, uh, American audiences like that, that weren't wrestling fans and working them and, you know, David Letterman and everybody else like that's such an amazing story. Um, and I think Andy Coffin should just come back and just accept the award. Right. Like, oh, just kidding. Um, so let me ask you this. Who, or Tony Clifton. So, oh, I would also accept if Tony Clifton changed. And that, and that was going to be my question. So Jerry Lawler obviously is going to be the one. To provided, do the provided Jerry Lawler can get his shit together after a stroke. If he's True. like presentable, then yes, right. clearly Jerry Lawler is going to be the one to accept it on his behalf. Or at so, least like that, bring him in. So that does become the question then. Who accepts the award on his behalf? Does Lawler just do the like, hey, sorry, he's dead and walk away? Does Andy Kaufman come back from the dead and accept it? Does whoever they've got playing Tony Clifton now, because Tony Clifton still shows up at stuff from time to time. Um, and I think it's Bob Zamuda, from what I know, uh, Andy Kaufman's writing partner. I would be uh, fine with that. If Zamuda shows up and, and does Tony Clifton, I'd be fine with that. Nobody there, like nobody under the age of 30 would have any fucking clue what's going no. on. But I would and be totally could, fine with that. And could they get away with the full, like, Tony Clifton shtick? Because then that seems like it's... Uh, <laughs> the Tony Clifton to... shtick, a.k.a. just is not wrestling... Uh, well, just... Is, 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 is wrestling Tony Clifton not just Sidney Bacabella? Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, good point. Just so, bring in Sidney Bacabella! That's true. Just come in and just have him be wrestling Tony Clifton. Or uh, uh, My last option, though, is do they have Jim Carrey accept it? I thought the same thing. I was like, you could technically bring in Jim Carrey. I mean, I know he's not like tons of fun anymore. He's like more of like a kind of contemplative guy with the exception of playing Dr. Robotnik. But I would say that would be a good choice. Yeah. I don't think he'd do it, but it would be a wonderful choice. Well, he might. He he. Have you ever watched any of the behind the scenes stuff of him as Andy Coffin? Now, I've been meaning to sit down there. Was I saw a couple little clips of it. There was a what was that movie? It was um, like you, Jim, uh, I think it might have just been called Jim and Andy. Like they well, had that was a the documentary. documentary. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Man on the Moon was the actual Andy Coffin movie that Jim right. Carrey played him in. But yeah, uh, Jim and Andy, where he goes like full character actor and is just an absolute asshole and a terror to work with on right. the set of that movie. And I'm like, fucking perfect. Which is hysterical, though, because I, I saw an interview with Danny DeVito not that long ago because Danny DeVito was in Man on the Moon and they asked him about working with Jim Carrey. And he goes, no, he was absolutely annoying and was nothing like Andy because Andy, once you got done with him off camera, was actually the sweetest guy in the world. So, um, But Jim just kept being an asshole. So. Right. Hey, man, it's the price of uh, of you know acting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's what I do. I was just a complete asshole the entire time after I got done with uh, Christmas Carol. (laughs) You you were bah humbugging people. Everyone's like, Jesus, that's the character he plays. Yeah, absolutely. So I did. I I can say on good authority, I did see him uh, pull a Carlito and take a big bite out of an apple and just spit it on 
people when he got off the stage. So, yeah. But in your defense, they weren't being cool. So, I mean, you have to spit in the face of those the people that aren't being cool. It's just it's it's part of the rule. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention that is somewhat wrestling related is what did you think about? I I I can already picture your answer. But what did you think about the whole discourse about uh, from Rhea Ripley and some of the other wrestlers who basically Rhea was at an airport. She landed. Uh, she got hit up by a few different quote unquote fans wanting her to sign a bunch of shit. She signed a couple of things. She had to go catch an Uber. They followed her the whole way. They basically hounded her. She got turned around and basically got like stuck in a stairwell with these fucking crazy people. And right. eventually, like, you know, it, it kind of blew up from there. And yeah. there were people saying, like, how dare you? Like, if it weren't for the fans, you would be nobody, blah, 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 blah. And other people being like, hey, these weren't even real fans. They were getting, like, seven copies of the same shit signed. Right. Like, and not personalized. Like, gee, I wonder what they're going to be doing with that. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And so it kind of had right. this whole discourse about, like... You know, when when do when do you call it? When do you pull it in as a fan and go, all right, I gotta move along. I have bumped into plenty of wrestlers in weird and interesting places. It is uh, you know, have I gone up to get a, an a individual single autograph for myself in the past? Yes, I have. I I, I don't understand I mean I understand. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to get a, you know, obviously a bunch of stuff signed so they can turn around and sell it. Rhea Ripley autograph. You can get, you know, I'm sure you can get some decent money for it on fucking eBay or what have you. Good for you. You can't get mad at a wrestler who, when you're, it's a fine line between, oh, I bumped into them and took a quick selfie or I had them sign something. Versus having them sign like an entire portfolio of shit. It's just right. Like you got to know, you just have to know better, but they, but that's the problem. They, these people don't, they, all they can think about is getting what, what they want. And then they can throw that absolute, that absolute load of shit about like, Oh, if it wasn't for the fans, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here. Um, no, fuck them. Fuck the whole group of them. Good. I'm glad <laughs> some of these some of these wrestlers are like, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sign. And sorry for being a dick about it, but I, I will guarantee a lot of those wrestlers that if they have just like a kid come up and want to take a picture or something like that, they'll do still do that in a second. I guarantee it. See, um, I like the idea of doing the selfie with a wrestler that I see out in the wild. Um, yeah, but I'm such an uggo now that like. I'd just, I'd rather be like, can you sign this napkin? Cause like, I don't want to have to keep cropping myself out basically. Right. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, I don't want to be like, look, I ran into the fucking, you know, the blue meanie. Holy shit. Look at this picture we took. I'd be like, well, uh, look, it's the blue meanie. Um, so I don't know, but uh, I love the concept of the selfie, but I'm like, Hey, I'm gross. Um, and they're going to look miserable in it, uh, versus like, Hey, sign this, you know, fucking receipt that i found and right. sign this for me like whatever i don't know i i don't think Rhea was in the wrong um i yeah. think and allegedly you know they knew who these fans were like they knew of these guys yeah. who were like merch flippers so it's like 
it's not like it was a bunch of orphans that wanted to, all they wanted in the world were parents and a signature and, you know, right. they couldn't get either one. Like, no, these were just dickheads who, you know, flip shit online all the time. It's a hard knock life for us unless we get Rhea Ripley's autograph. Well, I mean, you're right, children. But still, nevertheless. Um, no, and Mysterio had the same. Ray Mysterio had the same thing. I think I saw that uh, Liv Morgan had the same thing recently. And it, again, it's not the first time we've ever heard about people pulling this shit. Right. And it's like, basically, you're half a step away from being a stalker because... Why do you know exactly what time they're going to be there? And why do you have like a half a dozen pictures ready, ready, you know, at the ready to sign? Because you're shocking them. You're a fucking creep. Go away. I think the, I think the wrestlers are perfectly in the right, but people will bitch about it anyway, because that's what they do. Yeah. Well, uh, Chadley, I think that's another episode of the IndieCast After Arcs in the books. Is there anything else you want to plug? Anything uh, last, uh, you know, things you want to get your shit in on? or Just at IndieCast, I-N-D-Y-K-A-S-T on all social media, uh, except for, uh, well, I don't even know if TikTok's going to be a thing anymore. So Great I'm not point. even sure if I'm going to hype that or not. So Yeah, what the I fuck? We'll see. But, uh, uh, yep. And like, subscribe, anything from uh, Fully Gimmicked or Brainbuster Video, we should know. Uh, Brainbuster will be appearing at Tampa Bay Screams next month uh, in wonderful uh, West Shore uh, in Tampa. And uh, I will also be appearing at Leadfoot City this Saturday, the 25th, um, at the Florida Ford Fest. Uh, Brawl USA Wrestling will be happening at noon at Leadfoot City. Uh, they're having a 20-person rumble. There's going to be plenty of title defenses. Uh, Wheezy T and Logan Cruz are finally coming to blows. Uh, it's going to be nuts, and I'll be doing the announcing. And uh, it should be a blasty blast. So if you're anywhere near the Brooksville area, go out to uh, Leadfoot City. It should be tons of fun. Um, and that's all I got on the docket for now. Very nice. Well. Uh, for all of the uh, wrestling nerds out there, uh, we obviously appreciate you uh, tuning in to us for this After Dark episode. Uh, until next time, everybody, I am always Coculus Maximus. I am default podcast host. And uh, until next time, everybody, we always say... Deuces. Deuces. A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. (laughs) Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. (laughs) It's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Love dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.